just like the semi-annual, bi-annual, Mid-South going out of business but coming back into business spaghetti dinner extravaganza, we're back. Oh my god. With another, I'm going to say loaded for bear, as we often say on this show, episode. That's probably fair. That's probably what fair. are we even doing? <coughs> I, I am one of your hosts. Can we start there? Absolutely. Um, Got to. Damien Deschain, otherwise known as Braden, otherwise known as the last known survivor of... I should have been more prepared for this. Yeah, you really should How do you do this? How do you do it? How do you do it? Uh, I have, like, just some sort of odd fascination with disasters, I guess. Um, do you have, like, a backlog of every disaster? Uh, I have one that I actually... You know what? Can I, if I may? Because this is very obscure, but I think it's funny. Give me one second, because all of the things that just happened in our conversation, yes. that didn't happen. That was just a thought process in my mind. Yes. Katrina! Boom. There we go. Perfect. Okay. Love it. I'm going to save mine for the next one. Uh, I'm your other host, Tom, also known as Christian Rose, in some circles, known as Aldo Montoya. That's not true. That was just Incredibles gimmick in the early 90s. Oh, okay. He was the Portuguese man of war. Are you the survivor of anything? Jellyfish. Uh, I am the last survivor of the <laughs> the helicopter stunt from the Twilight Zone movie. Oh, no. <laughs> Sorry to the family of Vic Morrow and those Vietnamese children and that helicopter pilot. Yeah, that's pretty... Uh... We, I think I talked about this in the car one time with you and 12 Gauge. Correct. Okay, so also, uh, so Shudder has a show called Haunted Films. Mm-hmm. And it's very good. And each episode is about, if you guessed it, a haunted film. <laughs> yeah. They do the Twilight Zone movie, and mm-hmm. they show the raw footage of that helicopter crash on that show, and I didn't know it was coming. So I'm sitting there watching the show, and I'm like, this is very entertaining. I love this. And all of a sudden, it's like grainy old footage, and that helicopter crashes into those people in the water, and I, like, lurched forward off the couch. I was like, holy shit. Like... Oof. Yeah. Crazy. Crazy, crazy, crazy shit. Um, we're doing something a little different today. Yeah. We are... Some would say we're... Breaking the format. That was awesome. I thought so, too. Yeah. We need so too. Turn the knob up. Wait. Turn it up and rip the knob off. There it is. Turn the knob up. Kind of makes sense, I guess. I don't know. I no, I understood what you were trying to say there. Yes. I just forgot the wording of it, but then you reminded me. So, we're so good. folks, we're going to cover a couple of different topics today. We're going to cover some entertainment. We're going to cover some wrestling news, and then for the main event of this episode, we're going to talk our top five favorite matches of all the times. Yes. And here's the thing: sometimes we like to do things on the show that promote. Uh, a debate. A promote. Promote a debate. Yeah, Maybe yeah. a spirited discussion or an argument. Mm-hmm. It's not really possible this time because it's your opinions. But I think it will be interesting to say, like, oh, really? That's on your list? You know? Yeah, or or yeah. that's on this high? Well, or that's ranked this so low? Like, let me count real quick because the way I did this, I have my top five, and then I have, like, I have what I have listed here as my top ten, but I haven't really thought about it that much. It's just sure. some honorable mentions, basically. Right. So five honorable mentions. Out of those, we have on this show covered the shows um, for all but 
three of them. Interesting. Okay. So that's why I have so many. Uh, my um, top five, there's two of the top five that we have not covered, and uh, none of my honorable mentions. I only wrote down a few honorable mentions because I'm sure yeah. that uh, as we get going, I'll be like, oh man, I really like this. Oh man, I really like that. Yeah, this um, is this is more to provoke uh, uh, discussion, I guess. Yeah, rather. for sure. Uh, one thing that I want to discuss. Folks, something happened last night. Hmm. And it was such a treat because, like, every so often, me and Braden will talk oh, about how. Oh, yeah. We, I completely we, forgot. We'll, we'll talk about how, like, man, we want to hang out that's not just the podcast. Yeah, we, yeah. We want to yeah. do stuff that's not just hanging out and entertaining the people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the night before last. Whether it be in the ring or in the guest room. That's true. Entertaining the people. So the night before last, for the first time, I believe in our friendship. Brayden hit me up to ask if I had seen a movie, and the answer was no. That is so true. That is the first time that's ever happened. Uh, so <laughs> Brayden hits me up and asks if I had seen a little horror movie from 2016 called The Boy. Mm. I hadn't. Uh, I had listened to a, a podcast that covered it, so the swerve ending had already been spoiled for yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. But I was like, uh, no. Brayden put it over. I thought to myself, okay. Cool. So then, last night, Braden comes over, we get a little elevated, yeah. and we watch The Boy. Big time. Interesting viewing experience, because you had just seen it the night prior. Yeah. I hadn't seen it, but I knew the, the bit towards the end. This is a little horror movie. Yeah. This is a great time. Just yeah. sitting back and watching something that, like, you you do kind of have to pay attention to, but it's not something you have to, like, really focus on. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I got up and walked out of the room once or twice to get a drink, and I didn't feel like I had missed anything integral, so to speak. Yeah. Great swerve. Um, just, it blew my brain when I first I actually it. really liked it more than I thought I was going to. Like, I never watched that movie be- mm-hmm. because I was like, meh, you know, a lot of horror movies kind of get just, you know, they fall through the cracks. Guys, I recommend it. I kind of want to see the sequel, even though, yeah, I just don't understand <laughs> why, I, why or how. Um, also, tangentially going off of that, I did have something else I want to talk about this movie stuff because we've talked a lot about movies and a lot about like the MCU and stuff on here. I went and saw the new Jurassic Park. Me and Meg had a little date night. We went to the movie yeah. and saw the new Jurassic yeah. Park. Uh, I think I've mentioned it on here. The, the original is, like, my second favorite movie of all time. Hugely important to me when I was a kid. Just, just fucking adored it. And then it spawned this massive franchise, right? Yep. So, it's basically two trilogies. I'm not going to go super nuanced. I'm just going to go, like, one through six, right? So this most yeah. recent one that came out is six. Mm-hmm. I didn't like it. I didn't hate it. I hate five. I hate five a lot. Really? Yeah. It, it is okay. my least favorite in the entire franchise. And okay, I had this thought, and then I guess knowing that there's a sequel to The Boy is what really kind of made me be like, I don't want to talk about this. A lot of these mo- big movie franchises, they just overstay their welcome. Yeah, big time. And I don't think that the MCU has done it quite yet, but I could see this happening in the next, like, ten years, especially because now it's like... There's shows on Disney Plus that you kind of have to watch to keep up with what's going on in the movies, and you got to watch the movies to keep up with what's going on in the shows. And I'm like, they haven't done it yet, which is commendable because it's so 
huge. Yeah. But I'm like, God damn, every major franchise that, I, that I'm experienced with, at least, they just get to a point where I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah. I, I've, Tremors is a big... Tremors, for <laughs> is sure. Is a big one on that one. Uh, I, even Jaws. My beloved Jaws. There's four of those fucking movies. Yeah. Okay. And, and the first one is like a masterpiece of cinema, and then the other ones are just various degrees of trash. Like, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess it goes right back to that Bo Burnham quote again. We'll stop beating that dead horse when it stops coughing up money. Absolutely. And like, I know now what these Jurassic Park films are now. They're not... I almost consider the first one to be a thriller. Okay. Um, but now it's like, okay, these are action movies, and like, uh, friend of the show Cole Havens over on Review Review, mm. he talks about how his kids loved that uh, last one, five. They love it. And I'm like, I can't abide by this, but it's like, okay, well, these are children. So now they're making these movies for children and to sell toys and stuff, because kids mm-hmm. love dinosaurs. Children yeah. will always love dinosaurs, right? I think the best way I ever heard it described was the first Jurassic Park is a movie about people that has dinosaurs in it. And all the sequels are movies about dinosaurs that have people in them. Yeah. That's probably a really good way to put it. Yeah. like, And and I saw this movie a little high. And even then I was like, I didn't hate it, but I was just kind of like, there was just a lot in it where I was like, why is this happening? I don't know. I've I've yet to see it. Yeah, um, the boy though. Tom says check it out. We've been talking for so long and we haven't cracked open a can. That's true, dude. I am dying. We can we do this now. opening Absolutely. bell? Absolutely. <laughs> dude. It's always a natter yeah. day somewhere. It's sweat. They're sweating very mm-hmm. badly. <clears throat> but it's real good. Uh, now let's get <laughs> I don't into know how we got. How did we get? Ten minutes in before we did the opening bell. I don't know. That might be a record right there. Uh, it sure. is. I can say without doubt that is a record. <laughs> uh, so there's a lot of wrestling news we're talking about right now. And, and by the time that this episode comes out, this will have been a little dated. But it might still be fresh in some of your minds. And I'd like to start by asking, Braden, why did you tell Jeff Hardy to do what he did? For oh. seemingly the third time in a ten-year time period. <laughs> well, I really told... I told him, in order to go on in life without this vice, you really have to look from where you come from. And so he got he went back to the bar, <laughs> and the rest is history. Oh my god, uh, it's a bummer. It, it, it is a bummer. It really it's is. Like I mean, obviously, like you want the guy to like be healthy and get help and everything, but like at the same time, it's frustrating, man. You kind of get. I I kind of got to the point where I'm like, enough is enough, Jeff. Like. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it, now, it's almost like a a refusal to learn, yeah, type of thing. Mm-hmm. Like you, you've gotten in trouble for this time after time after time. Fuck, dude! Like uh, the AEW, I think did the right call. They pulled the Hardys out of this big match that they were supposed to have on Wednesday. Yeah, um, posted a thing that said Jeff is suspended without pay until he goes through rehab and have offered to pay for his rehab. Okay, and I'm like, okay, I, I, if I'm Tony Khan in that position, I don't know what the best call is, but I'm like, you know what, that might be it. You know, like, yeah. do you just? It's a tough situation to handle. Yeah, but 
Ugh. Some of the also, if you can imagine, some of the takes on this on the internet. Oh my god! Dude. Uh, some of them are really just vile. Some of them are just stupid. Yeah. Uh, the, we've talked about that weird tribalism that's going on with wrestling fans these days. Yeah. Somebody's saying that like this is AEW's fault that he got fucked up and got a DUI, and I want to be like, well, where did he work when he got the other ones? <laughs> like. Yeah. Because I'm yeah. pretty sure, I, like, uh, we talked about the Sting and Jeff Hardy incident from TNA. Yeah. So there's that. Uh, obviously, there was shit when he was working with WWE several times. So I'm like, I don't think that blaming the guy's place of employment for this is logical at all. And, and then people just bringing up that WWE offered to send him to rehab before he was release and like well, how does that factor into now yes what what does that matter at this point like I don't know like I will, also I do want to say this anytime that they made regardless of what company whenever they make Jeff's like addiction issues and alcohol issues part of a storyline it really makes it's no it, no there's something about it that just doesn't sit well with me I think the only time they ever got it right was the the feud he had with punk yeah like, back in like 09. But even that, I was kind of like, okay, well, they kept it very vague. Yeah. And, you know, whatever. But, like, they did that weird thing with him and Seamus. And I was like, this uh, is just bad. Un- and they, they made it into a joke. Yeah. Because when Jeff Hardy did that piss test mm-hmm. in that segment, better to be pissed off than pissed on, because he's got yeah. the southern accent. And he threw Yikes. piss in Seamus' <laughs> eyes. He threw pissing piss in Seamus' eyes. Yeah, like, that's ugh, just not... Like, not that's, well. that's one of those ones where it's like, who who is this for? It, it can't be for anyone. <laughs> like, it doesn't make... It, it doesn't make, like, recovery look good. Like, I don't think that we've ever done anything that made addiction look good. Because it ain't. Uh, it, like, they did this uh, way back in the 90s with Scott Hall in WCW they made him being a drunk part of a storyline I was like guys I don't know that that's like okay uh they did a thing with um oh god damn it it was one of the the road warriors they did it in the attitude era I want to say it was Hawk and I they did something about like right. he was drunk on top yes. of the Titan Tron and was gonna right. like like jump to his death or something I'm like yeah it was just poor form <laughs> yeah why, and, why are we doing this <laughs> And to say that something in the Attitude Era was, like, too much or whatever, like, goddamn. You know what I mean? Like, they did a lot of absurd shit. Mm-hmm. And that was just... I, I don't know what the payoff is, you know? Side note, because I just asked a question that's not what are we even doing, but I think is the cousin to what are we even doing. Mm-hmm. Why are we doing this? Sure, yeah. I, for branding purposes, we might want to throw out a little... Uh, <laughs> Copyright on that too. Why are can't we wait for this? the next spinoff of this show. Why are we doing this? That would be the movie one. Oh my god, we got to option that for Netflix. They'll buy anything <laughs> right now. Yeah. Um, let's see. There's some other wrestling news that I think we should talk about. Go ahead, because I don't know any of it. Well, I know of it, but yeah. I, you. So there's some stuff of this that I'm not going to get into because once it devolves into like social media, he tweeted this, she tweeted that bullshit. No, like you know what I mean. Like this, this, this is 
not even information, it's barely even entertainment. But, so a day or two ago, I get a message that says, Jake Crist just burned the IWA Mid-South Heavyweight and Junior Heavyweight titles. And I go, huh? Gets sent a link to a video. And uh, I've worked with Jake Crist. Um, good dude. Yeah. I, 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 I've never heard anything bad about Jake. Um, and I think that that's something we need to be clear on. We're talking about Jake Christ, not another one. Talking about Jake. Jake. Yep. So, anyways, get sent a link to this video of Jake Christ angrily cutting what seemed to be a promo on one Ian Rotten for having not paid him, and then setting fire to both of these world championship belts that I believe, well, clearly, I guess Jake was a dual champion for the company. I don't know. I haven't followed Mid-South in years on years at this point. Uh, he burned them. Okay. So then it becomes like even Connor asks, he goes, Do you think that this is a work? And I go, I don't think so, if only because doing a story about a promoter not paying his wrestlers doesn't seem like it's good business at all because there's no conclusion to it. Like, how then does that story end? Like, Ian in the ring handing somebody an envelope of money yes. and, and the crowd cheers? Yeah, that's exactly how it ends. <laughs> we'll put it in the Tokyo Dome and we'll give five stars. Uh, so then, in the next 24 hours, a lot of stuff comes out. Uh, none of it good. None of it surprising. But it felt like this was the catalyst for a lot of people to be like, finally, fuck this promotion, fuck this guy, you know, whatever. We, we've talked a lot about Mid-South on here. We've reviewed yeah. uh, at least one one of their shows. Um, Autumn, Autumn, Autumn Armageddon. Armageddon. Yeah. yeah. And I heard whisperings of some people saying that there was a show similar that did a show, the, an episode about, um, we're no joke, but I, no. we've, never, we've never done that. that no, of course exist. not. No, yeah. not in this universe. Uh, I I know that you haven't... Patent to multiverse. <laughs> I know that you haven't ever worked for Mid-South. I think I've been pretty clear and fair on my take on it. I'm, yeah. I'm on that unbelievably short list of people that is not owed any money by Ian Rotten, which evidently is even shorter than I thought. Um, <laughs> but I kind of think that maybe it's time for this to just stop. You know what I mean? Like Mid-South? Yeah. yeah. Like, like I think that Ian, his family, whatever, you got to take care of yourselves. This is not helping you. This is not helping anybody. You're clearly not turning a profit on these events, which, guys, I don't know if you know this or not, it's kind of expensive to run a wrestling show. Yeah. And it's pretty hard to do it and make a dollar. You know, like, there's a reason why you see a lot of places, like, pop up around tax season time, and then they just stop. Because somebody gets a couple thousand dollars back from the government, they either rent or buy a ring, they rent a venue, they book people they like but they don't really know how to run a business, they fail immediately, and then that's it. Mm-hmm. So this, I'm just kind of like, dude, this has got to... <coughs> yeah. But what sucks is, I don't think it's going to. You don't think so? I don't. I, I think that it's almost like a, a franchise that outstays its welcome. <laughs> it's almost a Jason Voorhees or a... Recurring a, theme. Or a Michael Myers or even a Fred Krueger that just... Boy, howdy, you think it's dead and... It ain't. Back for more. King Prince of the Death Matches. Jack of the Death Matches. But Ten of Clubs of the Death Matches. <laughs> Ace of the Death Matches. Instructions on how to play cards. 
three <laughs> Joker card of the death <laughs> matches. Three of hearts of the death matches. Uh, wild draw four. <laughs> Reverse card of the death matches. The dreaded How did a new no card. card get in here <laughs> of the death matches? <sighs> yeah. I think that's about it. It's been a wild day. Not going too far into that Mid-South stuff is, I think, what saves this podcast right now, by the way. Okay. Because there's, so, there's too much in it, and I, I just don't want to... Yeah, yeah. just don't want to drag it out. Close up shop, Ian, is what we're trying to say. Yeah. Shut it down. Dump it. That's a good idea. Dump it. <laughs> this is no good. Uh, You got anything else? Um, I don't think so. Okay. Should we get to these uh, honorable mentions? Yeah, we should go from ten to one. Yes, that makes the most sense, of course. So I, I know that I'll come up with more of these, but... On my honorable mention list, which these are not in any order. Okay. Jericho versus Shawn Michaels from WrestleMania 19. Ooh, okay. That match rules. I'm pretty sure at one point it would have been on my top five. I love the finish. I love the bit that they do afterwards. Jericho's gear is great. Um, yeah, I think it's just a really forgotten classic. Um, Mania 19, we will definitely be covering. I know I've said it on here yeah, before. Yeah. We got to do it with Meg. She was there. It's a really forgotten, like, great Mania. And goddamn, that match is maybe the show stealer of it. Um, yeah, just didn't make the cut this time around. Let's go. Oh, let's uh, volley. Let's oh, volley. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a better idea. That's yeah. a better idea. Um, Miz versus Axel versus Barrett mm. at Payback 2013, that triple threat yep. for the IC belt. So good. It's just good and smart. That... Probably would have made my honorable mentions list too. I kind of compiled my list while I was at work. I was also at work when I compiled my so list. So I put a lot yeah. of thought in that top five, and then these honorable mentions, I was just kind of like, oh yeah, this would have been on my list at one point. This would have been on my list at one point. Um, yeah. So one thing I do want to bring up before we go on to the next ones. It is crazy to me how when I was making this list, how much the passage of time changes these things for me. Because most of mine are relatively modern. Okay. So, like, a lot of the matches that I loved, even when I was a kid or, you know, a, a young adult, don't make that final top five cut, even though they used to. But I think it's just because there's always something new. There's always something new. Those stick. Yeah. This resonates more. You Sometimes you watch something so much that yeah. it kind of loses its luster a little bit. Yeah. You know? Like, yeah. Um... Honorable mention for me. Triple H versus Cactus Jack from the Rumble 2000. Mm, mm-hmm. Another one that we have covered on here. We have covered on that. I, I forgot about that. Yep. You know why I forgot about that? Because it's the only episode of this podcast that I forgot to put down a season on. Mm. So it's listed out of season. Interesting. It's the only one. <laughs> um, love the match. I personally think it it's one of Foley's best. I'm not going to say that it is because that's... that's an, Another good debate, even for myself. Yep. I think it's one of Triple H's best. I think it's the best match that they had against each other. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, just love it. Uh, re- recent episode, um, mm-hmm. Brock versus Angle, the Iron Man match on SmackDown. Really? That got on your, your honorable mention list. Even. Just how fucking smart it was. Okay. It blew my mind. I loved it so much. And the finish, I it, yeah, it was so good. Uh, another one for me. I got a lot more of these that I'm thinking of that are not even 
written down. Orton versus Foley. Okay, yeah, yeah. Love that match. Yeah. Absolutely love it. Star-making performance from Randy Orton. Um, when you were talking about Foley's best matches, like when you mentioned that, that, that was one the, might that be, was the one that, that might be the one stuck yeah. out to me first. Um, I, I think it's one of Foley's best. I think it's one of Orton's best, which covers a lot of ground. Um, yeah, just great stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude was made from that point on, really. Um, I have uh, Luke Harper versus Dijakovic at Worlds Collide. You've shown me this. It's very good. I fucking I just fucking love the match. Yeah, and it was the um, the first match that I ever watched where I was like, oh my god, Harper is awesome. Mm-hmm. And then sadly, not too long after that, but I I didn't appreciate him enough yeah. while he was here. But like, this was the first match where I was like, this is what Harper could be. Why mm-hmm. is he not a more prominently featured? Because I was actually watching the match for Dijakovic because I was a fan of him before. Mm-hmm. Harper won me over. <laughs> Love that match. Uh, my next one, I can't remember the date on this, and I should have looked it up, but I didn't think about it until like right before we were recording. Uh, it's a random episode of Raw in 2000, and the main event is a five-on-five, ten-man tag. The heel team is Benoit, Saturn, uh, Malenko, because Eddie had come in with but had already gotten injured. He got injured like his first week or something. So Benoit, Malenko, Saturn... X-Pac and Triple H are the heels against the babyface team of, here's a tie the binds in some of these, Foley, The Rock, Rikishi, and Too Cool. Okay. And I know that that sounds like a a whole lot of, you know, good, great, and what, but (laughs) it is so awesome. Like, it's one of those ones where the crowd is just unbelievably up for the whole thing, and they built to it the, throughout the entire episode. I just fucking loved it. Like, it, it's one of, it's a weird thing to say, but it's like I think one of the best performances that I saw out of Rikishi. Like when I was a kid, okay. I never disliked him, but he wasn't my guy. But that night, I was like, "Fuck yeah, Rikishi!" You know, like, okay, so so good. Hell yeah. Um, me next. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, Jericho versus Shawn Michaels Judgment Day Eight. Really? Yeah. Doesn't crack the top five though. It. Would have, yeah. If it weren't for a more recent one, okay. It was at one time, right? Um, just so we've talked about it before, but so good, it's so great, smart, yeah. so just the counters. It's it's great, and it gives us our our beautiful Judgment Day 08 spot. Absolutely, got to. Um, my next one, I'm gonna go with the Triple Threat main event of WrestleMania 20, because mm. uh, you were talking about uh, the. Great main event from Payback. Triple H versus Shawn Michaels versus Benoit. Mania 20. Such a fantastic match. Great triple threat. It's done in a very different style from a lot of other ones where there's not a lot of like three-man spots in it. Maybe only two or three at best. But it's just a lot. It's just constant action. Great drama. Uh, Michaels bleeds buckets in it. Uh, I was so happy when I watched it. Like, because at that point, Benoit was my dude. Mm-hmm. And I was just overjoyed that he actually got his moment. Like, him and Eddie in the ring at the end of that show, dude, I was tearing up at, the, at that time. Like, yeah. Great stuff. God, I wish I had watched that live. It was just so, just satisfying. Yeah, yeah. Um, my last honorable mention 
is uh, Will Ospreay versus Ricochet, specifically mm-hmm. from WCPW True Destiny. Okay. Because they... So the match starts. Yes. They wrestle for a little bit. Yes. They do their, like, sequence. Their classic, right? all kinds of cool they shit. They go to do the double handspring. Mm-hmm. The top rope breaks. I've seen that clip, but I've never seen the match. All their plans go out the window, and right. that match is still fucking awesome. That's great. And it and I and I I they spend a lot of time outside. Sure. Just doing whatever. But I love like watching that for just how on the fly it has to be. Of course. <laughs> it's great. At one point, uh Ricochet pulls the top rope from where Ring Crew is, pulls it away, mm-hmm. and they're like, What the fuck what are you doing? And he stands on it. Mm-hmm. And he does a moonsault onto Osprey okay. for a two count. Like okay. they, <laughs> I love it. That's so good. Um, Let me burn through my other honorable mentions that I wrote down, and then we'll get to our top fives, and we'll just go five, five, four, four, you know, whatever. Okay, yeah. My other honorable mentions that I wrote down. FDR versus the Briscoes. Uh, This was an interesting one for me to write down because I've only watched it once. I watched it live. I still have it. You know, we could watch it anytime, but I just haven't had time or, you know, whatever to go back to it. Just loved it. One of the best tag matches I've ever seen. Maybe the best tag match I've ever seen. And on that note... DIY versus FTR from Takeover Toronto. Or, uh, yes, Takeover Toronto. It's two out of three falls. Uh, Gargano and Champa finally win the tag belts. It was my favorite tag match of all time until that Briscoes match happened. Yeah. Just the the pace of it, like nothing's out of position. Everything is perfect. It's unbelievable. Uh, my next one, and this almost made the top five, and uh, at one point it was in my top five. Gargano versus Champa from Takeover New Orleans. Mm. I love it. The build for it was so good. I love a good long saga, right? I love a good slow burn. There was a lot of great callbacks and everything in it. The crowd's up for it. I think that that is the best match they ever had, and that feud should have just stopped there. And instead, much like a franchise, it overstayed its welcome, and they just kept going back to it, and it got lesser and lesser every time out. I just remembered a match. Mm. So I just added one to my list, which is great. So now I have another honorable mention. Which Let's hear it. That can't be... Hold on. I really have to think here for a second. <laughs> I really have to think here which one's out, because this can't be. This can't be. Oh, no. This can't be. There's conflict. He's struggling. This is like Sophie's choice. Dude, this is actually really difficult. Okay, I'm Okay, I'm just going to leave it how it is. Only okay. because I ha- I can't really think more about this because sure. it's going to dead air, dead air. We yeah. can't have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm just going to leave it how it is. This one still might be in the uh, the top 5. Though. Okay. Okay. Orton versus Christian over the limit. 2011. Wow, not on there. I don't know, dude. Shocking. Okay. Uh, but I can't... Uh, it's so... It very well may be. I'll have to think on it, but I don't want to do that on okay. the air anymore. Okay. Okay. So, I, I will go ahead and start with my number five. Can we... Hey, also, can we quantify here for a second? These are favorites. By the right. Way. These are not best. Correct. These are our top yes. fives. Yes. yes. I just wanted to make uh, sure that the audience... So that they can't be like, you're wrong. Well, no, I'm not. It's actually my favorite. <laughs> uh, I, before I get into mine, it is crazy to me how much of this is 
that like one of these matches is a bit old. Okay. And that's a lot of them are just really from the modern era. And I don't know. Again, like we talked about, like nostalgia fading, this, that, and the other. But so be it. Number five, Punk versus Brock, SummerSlam 2013. I absolutely love this match. We've talked about it on this show ad nauseum. We've covered it on the pay per view episode. I think it's the best big man little man match possibly ever. It's just fucking great. You are going to lose your shit. Okay. Number five, Brock versus Punk. Amazing. SummerSlam 2013. Phenomenal. Just, it's so good. Yeah. It's so good. All right. So, number four for me. This is one we have not covered. Chris Benoit versus Kurt Angle. WWE title match from the Royal Rumble in 2003. For a long time, this was my favorite match of all time. I remember So it is shocking that when I was doing this list, I had to move it all the way down to four. Yeah. Um, That's crazy. I think that this is... And again, it's it's always going to be hard to do Benoit stuff, right? It's so hard to separate the singer from the song. Yeah. Or the art from the artist or whatever, right? This is, like, for me, the perfect professional wrestling match. Like, Angle's goons get sent to the back... So it's just them. They probably go about 18, 20 minutes. It's long. It is fast. It is intense. There's a lot of counters, a lot of suplexes. They are beating the ever-living shit out of each other. Like These two always had great matches. For me, this is their best one. And like, um, it's the rare time where on a pay-per-view, they let somebody just sell afterwards and get the respect pop by standing up. But it's like genuine. It's not forced. And you can tell that, like, Benoit was actually, like, a little moved by the crowd's reaction or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. Plus, because this didn't happen much at this point in time in 03. Angle, the heel, wins clean via submission. Mm. And that didn't always happen very often. Like, if, if he was working with somebody that was, like, much lower on the card, absolutely. But if it was a, a higher-tier guy, there was usually some shenanigans and then the ankle lock, you know, whatever. Yeah. But, no, this is just... The sport style, just pro wrestling. I, I just fucking love it. Oh, uh, my number four, mm. which is up for debate now. Um, Eddie versus Ray, Halloween Havoc. Great match. Fantastic. Got I love the, it. Got the... This one might be more of a nostalgia thing for me, though, mm. because I had some DVD growing up with this match on it and I loved it. I would watch it all the time. Was it the Eddie Guerrero DVD? It might have been. Because I know for a fact it was on there as one of the special features or whatever. Yes, I did have that DVD. Um, I I would watch that match all the time. So that's why that one's kind of... I don't know. I I think I might have to put... No, keep, keep, keep it keep it as is. Keep it as is. Because I think I'm more interested to know what the list is without the Orton Christian one. Okay. But well, yeah, that, the Orton Christian one would just replace the Eddie and Ray one, which you already know about. Okay, but anyways, that Eddie Ray match, yeah. though, it's it's, it's very so, fucking good. It's like, the only good thing that WCW ever did. <laughs> even I don't think that's true. Uh, it, it it is. I I do think it's the best match, like yeah. bell to bell, like so far as like in ring. Yeah. I think it's the best match. I think it's definitely the best cruiserweight match, also that that company ever had, and they featured. Like that was a huge yeah. thing for them. The the backbreakers that Eddie is hitting, the power bombs that the Rana's he's killing, that Ray's getting, like, yeah, the front flip over the ropes, Rana to the outside, the floor, the, yeah. just all of the stuff that they do. 
Uh, at that one point, Eddie like grabs Ray's foot, who's on the apron, yeah. and swipes it, and Ray bumps on the floor. Yeah. Jesus, dude. Uh, that match got the almighty five stars from our Lord God and Savior, David Meltzer. Well, that means that it should be number one. And <laughs> depending on the date, I think that's the last... I think it's the last match in America that got five stars until, like, I think maybe 2004. Mm. And then it was Ring of Honor. Also, by the way, I need to put a quick retraction out there. I thought that Joe versus Kobashi was, like, the only five-star match, or the first five-star match in Ring of Honor. Not true. Both one-hour draws that CM Punk and Samoa Joe had got five stars. Jesus. So, but yeah, like, I there wasn't... Okay, so there was a drought of these five-star ratings for the WWE where the first Hell in a Cell with Shawn and Taker got five stars. Mm. There was not another five-star match, according to the almighty Dave Meltzer, until Punk vs. Cena in 2011. Yeah, wow. Which means that Shawn vs. Taker, which, by the way, another honorable mention for me, did not get five stars. That's impossible. I, I know that it's his opinion. But like that, that opinion can't happen. I want I want to go up to him in his dirty, dirty, cluttered, messy room and be like, <laughs> "Listen, Dave, what's missing from this?" Right. Tell me what it needed. Um, a few more kickouts. Oh yeah. <laughs> mm. uh, I can burn through my number three pretty quick here. Uh, Jericho versus HBK Judgment Day 08. I love it. Um. I know I mentioned the match they had at Mania 19 as being a uh, honorable mention. I like this one better. I know that's controversial. They're two very different matches, very different stories, and frankly, very different workers. You know, there's yeah. there's a big gap in time there between those. And uh, yeah, I, I just dig it. I think it's great nuanced storytelling, and it's the perfect combination of like moves and facial expressions and everything else. I just that in the crowd really is there for pretty much the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, your number three, sir. My number three is Cedric Alexander versus Kota Ibushi from the Cruiserweight Classic. Wow, okay. It is so fucking good. Yep. It's just... Oh, my God. It, one of my favorite parts of this match, always, I look for it every time, is the drop kick. Mm-hmm. That I think Ibushi hits mm-hmm. because I would have bought it as a finish. Mm-hmm. It looks like it murders. Yeah. No, I remember that match being just fucking excellent. I think I rewatched it once or twice, like, once it went up or whatever and it aired. Haven't seen it in years since then. I wonder what the star rating is from old, old, almighty Meltzer. I don't even know how you'll find that. Um, my number two... You just gotta look it up. <laughs> my number two, Orton versus Christian from Over the Limit 2011. Uh, we've talked about it. Ad nauseum on here. I just want to say I think it's the best babyface versus babyface match of all time. Yeah. I struggle to think of a better one. Um, yeah. We've covered the show pretty much for that match. Uh, yeah. Because the rest of that pay-per-view is not great. Um, yeah, yeah. That's that's all I got. Sorry, I know that you're still looking shit up. Um, 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 what are we doing? What are we doing? Oh, Meltzer gives Kota Ibushi versus Cedric Alexander four and a half stars. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I feel like it. 
I feel like that one's one where if it actually was in the Tokyo Dome, he would have given that one. You're probably place. correct. Or if it because, was in Reseda, California. But, again, bullshit, because the presentation of the Cruiserweight Classic was fucking awesome. Yeah. No, so, it was great. They fucked up by making the winner of it Cruiserweight Champion. It should have just been a tournament. Yeah. And you, just, you get a trophy, and then maybe you get a job or you go home. But, yeah. Uh, what's your number? You're at two. Uh, oh, did, well, you didn't do your two. Yeah, did I did. You? Oh, well, it was Orton. Yeah. Okay, got it. Idiot. Number two, Joe versus Kobashi. Wow, it's really? So, it's gone dude, that high on your list in I such a short it. amount of time. Love I love it, it That's so great. much, dude. It's the most recent of my favorites. It's... I've watched it so much. Yeah. I love them beating the piss out of each other, but it's also... Relentlessly. It, yeah. But it's just... Also just good. It's yeah. just a good match. It really is. Uh, that And that's the type of match where, like... The crowd. We're, just, we're not likely to get again. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there... What would be the equivalent? I don't know, because frankly, at this point, everything's so watered down, or these big matches like that can't happen on a stage that is... You know, in all fairness, the Ring of Honor is even at that point small. Yeah, okay, yeah. You know, like like I could sit here and say that, like, you know, oh, if we got um, Brian Danielson versus Okada, right? Well, mm. guess what? That's not happening anywhere unless it's New Japan or AEW. It's not going to happen in a ballroom in New York with approximately, I would say, twenty five hundred people. Yeah, you know that's going to happen in an arena or a, a fucking stadium or something. I think that's part of what makes that Joe Kobashi match so special. Is that like, definitely the yeah, the whole atmosphere of that is is what makes that sure. Like, and I don't think that you get that atmosphere in another company, in another venue, frankly, in another setting. Like, yeah, you, you know, I mean, yeah, we could sit here and say it would be cool if it was in like uh, a, a five thousand seat you know, like a, a field house or something, you yeah. know, something in between an arena and, and you know, the the ballroom, the Manhattan Center. Yeah. But I don't think that it's... I don't know. I, I think that that enclosedness of it, because, like, it, we pointed out whenever we watch it, those people in that... The, the barricade is seemingly two feet from the ring. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like... The, oh, the, the my place, God, dude. The place is... Yeah. And they get Act. bulldozed when when uh, Joe does that drop kick, uh-huh. and they eat, um, uh, Kobashi goes into the guardrail, and they, he just bulldozes the crowd. Through, yeah, because you got to go somewhere, I guess. <laughs> it's kinetic energy. Um, God, it's just it's so good, and it features Joe doing the muscle buster to Kobashi, and which it, just sounds impossible. It really does. You know, e- even back then, you would have been like. That's not going to happen. Like, he's not going to allow that to happen. But, no. Like, I, I love also that, like, Kobashi was willing to have that match. You know what I mean? He could have... Yeah. He very easily could have come in, heard the crowd, and been like, don't got to do shit. Let's just, you know, do this, punch out, I'm going to get on the plane and go back home. But, goddamn, he is working so hard in that match. Like... Joe was already made, right? But that yeah. I think was what made him like the next thing, the next level up. Because it's not long after that that he's going to TNA. Yeah. So. God. Great, great bit so of business. Good. Do you want another one of those? 
Um, I'm good right now, actually. I'm drinking okay. pretty slowly. Am I going to vamp? Uh, yeah, for just like a, a few vamp? seconds. Just a few seconds, because when I come back, it? we're at number one. What if number it? one! We should, we should delay... Hold on, where are we at? We're at 44 minutes in. Yeah. How much time do you think we can fill with our number ones? Uh, maybe a bit. Hang on. I'll give, let me give it Okay. Oh, okay. I got a vamp. I got a vamp! Do you want the clamp? It's getting damp! Um, you tramp? If you uh, got bit by a blood-sucking undead person, you could be a vampire. <laughs> oh, I do, I do have something else we can talk about if you want to like put in a little buffer here before we get to number one. I think we should tease number one. Okay. Uh, Which they probably already know yeah. mine. But anyway, uh, what do you got? What do you got? So, attentive fans may remember several episodes ago when I went on a bit of a tirade about the movie Morbius. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So since then, it's become a joke on the internets. Sony, proving that they are the most tone-deaf studio of all time. Big time. Thought that the popularity of these memes about Morbius meant that people wanted to see it. So they re-released it for one weekend. It made so little money that there was literally movies on HBO Max and in theaters at the same time that made more money. Like, a three-day run of this movie, of, of Morbius, made $85,000. It was in a thousand theaters. <sighs> if you do the, if you did the math, I think, um, I can't remember who I heard talking about this, it averages out to like 30 people per theater that it was released in went and saw it. <laughs> so it literally cost Sony more to re-release it for those few days than it did what they made back. Did you see that there's a petition to get <laughs> it re-released for a third time? The petition is called is called Damn it, I was busy that weekend. <laughs> uh, did you see the video of uh, Jared Leto reading a script and somebody walks up and they're like what are you reading he's like no no nothing nothing and he's like trying to cover it up and then the show it says Morbius 2 it's Morbin time <laughs> and then the Curb Your Enthusiasm music yeah, yeah, plays I've seen. like uh, Jared Leto's a guy that like some of his stuff I do enjoy and then him as a person I'm always kind of like you're probably just insufferable but yeah. I'm like okay well at least you're making fun of this like you know yeah which means that when they inevitably make a sequel if they were if they were if they were smart they would lean into the stupidness and just be like let's just make it dumb let's just make it funny let's just make it stupid they're yeah. not going to do that they're going to try to go for serious aren't they yeah probably cuz it's fucking sony and they just don't know how to read a fucking room no god they don't damn it they're the casey of movie studios mm I got something else I can talk about on here real quick because I was talking about this with you guys. I was giving like live minute by minute updates. Yeah. I test drove a car and I didn't buy it. Oh my god. I didn't trade it in. I didn't. I went back and said, I don't think this is for me. And after they fervishly, fervishly, I was trying to combine feverishly and fervently, tried to sell me something else, I said, nah, maybe later. I walked out of there. Having not spent a dime. Is this... 
that, that this is growth. This is growth. Here. <laughs> this is this is a real step mm-hmm. <laughs> in your walk back from car addiction. <laughs> uh, I will say that the one that they tried to sell me on, I was like, oh, and then I saw the price, and I was like, that's almost double what I could afford right now. So, no, mm-hmm. and I was able to get out of there unscathed. Is it in poor taste to make a joke about your car addiction and Jeff Hardy in a in a way, or is it? I might argue that my car addiction has cost less money than Jeff's has, and has yes. probably endangered fewer people. Fair, fair. If anything, I have to go to work more because of my car addiction <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> instead of being suspended without pay. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Um. So yeah, moving quickly on. Yes. Um. Are we ready? Yep. To get yep. to our number one Ouch. favorite number one. matches of all time, I cannot wait to get shit from people about this. By the way, because I think I might get some shit from some people. Okay. My number one favorite match of all time. Okay. It's from WrestleMania 28, the end of an era Hell in a Cell match between Hunter Hearst Helmsley and Mister the Undertaker. Mm-hmm. I just love it. I, di- I didn't especially love the build for it, but because it kind of got a little wacky, you know, at some points. But I just love this match so much. It is so over the top because in the cell they have Sean as the guest referee, which at the time I didn't think was necessary, but now I'm like, it, was, it wouldn't work without him. Um... I think that what I love about it is that, one, this might be the most important that the streak ever seemed. Mm. There was just a lot of uh, gravitas, I think is the word I'm looking for, for it. I think that the storytelling is great. Um, I've talked, we, We've talked about Taker on here a lot. Triple H is not even in my top 10 or 15 or, or even 20 favorite wrestlers of all time, but he's in my favorite match of all time. Which is interesting. Yes, which, kudos to him, you know. But, uh... I, I I think that what I love about it is it is the closest thing to a uh, cinematic match that is still just a match Yeah, that I can think of. The way that it's performed, the way that it's shot, uh, there's great like performances by all three guys, quite frankly. Um, the, there's a moment where I also... At this point, the streak ending was not... It, there was still something to that, you know what I mean? Where it's like, oh, is this going to be the thing? Is this not going to be the thing? So at that point, getting somebody to believe that Taker was going to lose was a challenge, even in these situations, right? Mm-hmm. The super kick into the pedigree, every person in that building, every person watching at home, myself included, was like, holy shit, it's done. Nope, kick out. I love how Shawn Michaels sells that kick out. Because he basically cowers in the corner and is like, I just fucked up. Like, he... His moral compass had been broken. Yeah. Because he was supposed to call it right down the middle, then there's yeah. physicality, he feels bad for Taker, Triple H is mad at him for feeling bad for Taker, this, that, and the other, blah, blah, blah. Like, it, it is very hokey. And it is very over the top. But it is also very physical. Like, Taker's back is fucked by the end of it. Oof. Um, you know what I mean? Like, both guys, I think, had to take time off afterwards and shit. Uh, 
And there's that great shot of all three of them at the end of it on the ramp, just looking out at the crowd. And boy, howdy, there's some shit in wrestling that if I could go back, like, creatively speaking and, like, rewrite, you know, whatever, that would have been Taker's last match. Mm-hmm. That would have been it. Mark, just go home. You cannot top that. If I came, if, if I were to come from the future and be like, listen to me, man, you're not going to top that. <laughs> like, call it. 20-0. and 0. What a better send-off. Right? You just had the best match of your fucking career. It, in my opinion, at least. Here's some shit that you're going to do if you stay around. Again, overstay and you're welcome, you massively successful franchise. An old theme returns. <laughs> yeah, man. I just love it. Like, every so often I'll go back and rewatch it, and I get sucked in all the time. I love the... Uh, there's a very, very nuanced thing at the very end where Taker has gotten himself back up to his feet... And he's got his hands cocked and everything. And Triple H is a bloody mess. And Sean's fucked up and everything. And there's a... I This is my interpretation of it, at least. And maybe I'm, like, over-reading and connecting dots that aren't there. But Triple H is in the corner. He looks at Taker. Taker's, like, up and ready to go. Triple H looks over at Sean. And Sean looks away from him. And it's to me, the facial expressions are him looking at Sean like, Are you going to help me? And Sean just looking away because he can't face the fact that, no, I'm not going to. Triple H does the, you know what, fuck this. Gives him the crotch chop, walks out, sledgehammer shot, tombstone finish. And I like the idea of, like, that character getting to that point of desperation of, are you going to help me? And Sean being, in essence, a man of his word enough to be like, I can't do it. Like, I, I love how... And, like, I don't think that you see that shit anymore. Like, one, I think that just the the performers are different. You yeah. Know? And, two, we would now have Michael Cole screaming buzzwords over it instead oh. of just, like, calling the match. You know, it, it just screaming, the biggest premium live event in the last three weeks. Like, it's... Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know. And yeah. I know that there were matches that were great after this and before now. No, it's all been shit. <laughs> Wrestling peaked at Mania 28. Um, but yeah, like I, it's just there's just something about it that I just fucking love. It's that it's that perfect blend of theatrics and physicality. I love it. Yeah, theatrics and physicality. Is that not what we're doing here? Um, I I heard it called physical vaudeville once, and I was like, yeah, that's okay. That's a good way to look at it. So the vaudevillains, they were on to something. Hmm. Hmm. Anyway, um, are we ready for Did my... you know that one of them doesn't like uh, Enzo Amore? As in, have you ever opened YouTube in the past, I don't know, nine years? <laughs> yeah, I've, I, I, know, I know that. Mm. Weird. Yes, you're number one. I don't even know why I opened my phone. I know what my number <laughs> one is. Eddie versus Brock. No, no way out. out 04. Yep. Just, that's the peak. Sitting mm-hmm. From the beginning... Eddie was my guy, even though, you know, three, when I was watching, I don't remember any of that, because I don't. <laughs> right. Except for that, Eddie was wearing green, and it was SmackDown, because it was silver and blue. Yeah. Um, I also just had a memory resurge that, uh, my, I, I have a vivid memory of Kurt Angle having someone in the ankle lock. It might have been Rey Mysterio. Who knows? And on, on SmackDown. Yeah. 
and then it fades and goes to commercial, and then my parents shut off the TV and went, it's it's over now, it's right. time for bed. That's not how those ended. <laughs> I didn't get Imagine to see that Imagine if they came the back episode. from commercial and that person was just still in the ankle lock for <laughs> three and a half minutes. He's got a lot of heart. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> Kurt's like, come on, man, what the hell? I'm actually tired of doing this. Anyway, um, Eddie versus Brock. Like, Eddie was my guy since day one. Like, he was always my favorite for some unknown reason. Yeah. Turns out he's really fucking awesome. That's why. Yeah. And the the match is just so good. It really is. I've tried so hard to analyze it, and I can't. Well, I think that that one's interesting to me because, like, so Brock's Brock is on his way out, mm-hmm. but he is also still very much new. But it's no way out. Aha. Uh-huh. Uh, unless you're talking about violating a contract. Uh, <laughs> but he's still very new. Yeah. You know, like, his main roster run was basically two years. He debuts the day after Mania 18. He's gone at 20. Yeah. And had trained for a couple years before that. But, like, Eddie at that point was a world-traveled, very experienced veteran. Mm-hmm. Do you, do you, like, do you think that part of what adds that match quality for you is that you can tell that there's parts in it where they're just working dude the it's just feels organic it yeah. feels natural because like, there's also some stuff in it that's a little ugly like not like oh yeah bocce bocce but like you know what i mean it's a little choppy there's some miscues or miscommunications yeah. rather I, I i dig that i part. love i love i love it it's so good oh and and taz and cole on commentary they that they had a lot just of that. perfect. I like so how they at, like as that match progresses because they get a ton of time in that too. I like how as that match progresses, at one point Taz just says Eddie can't win this, which mm. does kind of telegraph the ending a little bit, even though it doesn't. Because at the at, back at that point, yeah, Eddie beating Brock was like that's not going to happen. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like nobody, mm-hmm. which adds to the story of the match. But I kind of like that as it progressed when Brock is just really fucking laying into him, that Taz even says, yeah, Eddie can't, you know, he's not faster, he's not stronger, he doesn't have the big match experience, he doesn't have the championship experience. I'm like, do that. Do that more often. Put your baby face in peril. Yeah. Make me think that that guy can't win, but I still want him to. So then if he does, yay. And if he doesn't, it's like, well, shit. Next. <laughs> yeah. And, dude, this match proves that Michael Cole can do his job if you just shut up and let him do it. Yeah. He really can. Uh, did you see that he's been with them for, like, 25 years now? Yeah. And I think I saw a thing that said, supposedly, he's only missed two shows that he was, like, I, I guess, like, scheduled, you know what I mean? Oh. Oh, yeah, 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 I, I know what you mean. Right. Wow, that's pretty good. Yeah. Like, that. Pretty, he should be the CEO and... Pretty, pretty good. Yeah. Uh, dope. Um, this is actually one of our shorter episodes, but you know what, yeah. that's fine. Yeah. It don't have to be lengthy. Uh, do you got anything else you want to wrap up with? Uh, No. I don't think so. <laughs> <Anyway>. Nope. What <laughs> are we even doing here? Imagine if that had been the ending. That would have been Anything really else? funny. Nah. But that would be shortchanging the people. We're not going to do that. Of course uh, not. Let's um, plug some stuff then. 
let's do let's do a lengthy plug. How about yes. that? Uh, by the time that this comes out, I will have just oh. completed. <laughs> lengthy plug was my nickname in high school. <laughs> yes, uh, dude. Even if it takes me a little bit to get to it, <laughs> if I can get a lengthy or <laughs> if you can get a lengthy plug. Hold on, hold on. If I can get a that was my nickname in high school joke in there. Yes, I will. Not uh, if I can get a lengthy plug in there. By the time that you guys are hearing this, I will have completed a very rare for me at this age triple shot weekend. Mm. Uh, the Dingo Invitational Tournament, or DIT, uh, <laughs> from St. Louis Anarchy, and I will be at New Wave Pro in Terre Haute, Indiana on Sunday. The rare reverse plug, where right now somebody is listening to this and they're just going, Oh, I was just in Terre Haute last Sunday. <sighs> um, okay. But yeah, shout out to New Wave Pro for having me in. Hopefully I will be back. Um, always always support St. Louis Anarchy. Yeah. I think it's kind of ballsy for any place to do a two-night tournament in this day and age, but there it is. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I love that. Yes. Um, anyway, so um, at DustChain underscore QD for me on Twitter. Uh, at WowEd Podcast yes. on Twitter. Uh, um. Wild Wait, hang on real quick. Is, did we get any mail? We did. Do you want to cover that now? Yeah, can I read it? I love how this is just so unformatted, but I, don't, I it's fine. It's fine. Okay, hold on. Let me make well, we sure broke I'm it on format, my yeah, primary. Remember? We did the sound effects and everything. Yeah, I know. What is happening? I, I oh, know. I'm in the wrong one. Okay, I gotta switch it over. Get out of the thing and switch it. Yeah. Switch. Okay. Oh, wow. We've got a couple of things. Let's see. Uh, our first one comes to us from Dakota. It says, age restrictions on wrestling? Question mark. Yeah, that's it. A 16-year-old is bullying me at work, so to distract myself from the urge to throw him through the pickup window, what should the age limit on wrestling be? Lower and upper limits. Because on the opposite end of the spectrum, 73-year-old Ric Flair is having one last match. Have we talked about that on here? No, but I think now's the time. Um, I So that's not where I thought that was going. Yeah. I'm of the belief that if, if a 16-year-old gets written permission from their parents and they are fully aware of the risks inherent... And they want to start training to wrestle at a reputable school. So be it. Personally, I think it should be 18, but I understand that you know you're going to get people doing this. Like, yeah. uh, and and to both good and bad. Uh, Billy Starks, a, a prodigy, so good, a absolute prodigy. Yeah. You know, and just working really hard. I think she's doing like six days in a row right now or something. Oh, like crazy, crazy work ethic on that girl. Um, good for her. You know what I mean? Uh. Now, at the other end of it, <laughs> you know, uh, for me, this just becomes a matter of health. Because do I think that Ric Flair is in the good enough health to be having a match at 73? Quite frankly, no, I don't. But I also saw recently uh, there was a gentleman out in, I want to say it was Virginia or West Virginia, who's been working forever, and he is 75 and is still having matches. And he is in unbelievable condition and shape for being especially for being 75 okay so for me if I'm gonna go that end uh, I, I don't know if you give me a hard set limit you know like 
Uh, Rob Van Dam just wrestled in Japan like a day or two ago. He's 52 mm-hmm. and is still Rob Van Dam, you know? Like, yeah. Most of the roster on Raw are north of 40. Yeah. Now, granted, you know, 41 and 73, you know, I get that. But Yeah. Yeah. So for me, Dakota, I'm going to say should be 18, but I can understand a 16 or a 17 in the right circumstances so far as the north end of this. Uh, I don't know. Have a doctor check you out first. <laughs> what about you? Do you think Ric Flair had a doctor? Ah, check dude. Him out? I, By the way, I, I agree with everything else you said. That was that, I'm kind of on that that way. Too. He's got a fucking pacemaker. Like, there's no way like that, that can't happen. There's no way that a doctor is like, yeah, Rick, this is a great <laughs> idea. Here's my name on a piece of paper that says so. <laughs> like, I, I just, uh, Doctor Nick Riviera from The Simpsons wouldn't allow this shit to fucking happen. Like, yeah. no. What have you done? Oh, uh. Well, I- I, okay. thought you, I thought you said no because you screwed something up on <laughs> no, my no. phone. Uh, let's see. Our next email comes to us from Dakota. Okay. <laughs> Subject line. Guys, it's time to make fun of Control Your Narrative again. Read this dumb fucking seminar gimmick. Holy shit. And then there's a link here. Let me click on this link. Oh, my. No. What What, what would we you have, prefer that I open this one? Um, uh, Work your magic. Okay, 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 I think we're here. Okay, so this is a seminar for... It says May 13th, Cleveland, Ohio. 99 Or you can pay in four interest-free installments of twenty four ninety nine in case you have to finance your seminar for Control Your Narrative. Oh my god. Whew, okay. I'm just going to read this. I've never read this before, so... Yep, let's go. Buckle up, buckaroos. Want to join hashtag control your narrative? Yes, dude, I love the hashtags. Let's bring it. Hashtagged and put a question mark at the end, making that honestly hard to read. Your demo, resume, promo pics, and highlight reels are not enough. You must first become a project. Yes! This is the only way in. Next project, narrative seminar. May 13th of 2022. So we've missed our opportunity. Um, the Odeon in Cleveland, Ohio at 2 p.m. The only way to enter CYN is to begin as a hashtag project. Th- th- by the way, th- this fucking putting hashtags in like wh- what I would call conversation, it- it's got to stop. Yeah, it- yeah, it- yeah. You're already losing me. Uh, you will be asked to choose your hashtag project number. What's yours? At 21. All right. You will be required to attend a hashtag project narrative seminar. You will be evaluated, admonished, praised, degraded, then judged by your peers. <laughs> what the fuck? For only four easy payments of $24.99, I could be degraded by EC3. <laughs> what? Oh, god damn it. Your value to CYN will be decided and either opportunity will arise or you will be disregarded. <laughs> Due to lack of respect during another seminar class, hoodies will only, <laughs> hoodies will only be earned, not given. What? I'm reading this as it is written. 
Not everyone gets a trophy. <laughs> it's just there. <laughs> what is it's a? It's not a trophy. It's a <laughs> fucking hoodie, dude. <laughs> what is a hashtag project? A project is the proverbial aspiring sports entertainment performer. I'm sorry, sports entertainment in quotes performer seeking opportunity in quotes to live their dream. Also in quotes, in the world of in quote corporate wrestling brands. You are referred to as an, quote, extra. You are paid a meager penance to stand awkwardly in ill-fitting dress clothes. <laughs> Scenario one. You are led blindly through the, quote, dark into a match that you are not prepared for. You are sacrificed for the, quote, corporate good. You have a minor accolade that you humble brag about on social media, quickly forgotten validation. You patiently wait four to eight months for your next, quote, opportunity. So, I mean, if you're going to dog on guys doing extra work or whatever, I guess, but, okay. Jesus, like, what's the point? I, <laughs> hang on, we're, scenario two, you are put into an outfit that says, quote, security or, quote, police. Your authority is not respected, and you, again, are sacrificed for the hashtag corporate good. You patiently wait four to eight months for your next, quote, opportunity. Scenario. <laughs> what the fuck? I don't understand how, like, dogging on guys doing extra work, which, sure, you could do that. Like, we could do that. I don't, you know, whatever. Uh, I don't understand how this is selling someone on doing this seminar, but okay. Uh, scenario three you are fed adequately via, quote, catering. Nobody recognizes you exist. You patiently wait four to eight months for your next, quote, opportunity. <laughs> oh, fuck. Why become a hashtag project? A hashtag project understands this circle is endless and contrived. Seek something more. Deeper purpose. Through hashtag control your narrative, they can, quote, become who they are supposed to be. What? <laughs> this is fucking gibberish. Jesus. Uh, what does a hashtag project do? A hashtag project is prepared to forego their independent sports entertainment persona and destroy this past through the trial and tribulation of the narrative. A hashtag project assumes their, quote, project number as their new handle. This number is their choice and must never be forgotten. A hashtag... My project number is 80085. Boobs. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> a hashtag project fills out their hashtag project narrative initiation form signs this as both an NDA and waiver of liability What's oh my happening? god oh my god so you basically have to go to this thing knowing that you're gonna be degraded but also sign a non-disclosure agreement and waive all liability only for four easy payments of $24.99 a hashtag... By the way, this is painful to read like this, but this is how it's written. A hashtag project attends a respective hashtag project narrative seminar where they will perform their sports entertainment persona, undergo psychoanalyzation by members of the narrative, brain dump their truth, their authentic selves. That's right. Brain dump. <laughs> 
This whole thing sounds like a brain dump, if you ask me. Dude, what is a brain dump? I, I don't... Accept criticisms, critiques, and verbal castration. <laughs> it's like they want people to pay money to get insulted and screamed at. And finally, fight. <laughs> Upon completion of the hashtag Project Narrative Seminar, the hashtag project may have access and opportunity within hashtag control your narrative. Their number will be called to assist on fight night, setup, promotional assistance, sponsor-related sucking up activities, nefarious narrative business, while most importantly becoming eligible for prime position to fight in hashtag control your narrative, sanctioned events, and character developing segments on hashtag control your narrative televised features. What televised feature? What are we doing? I I don't know. What are we even doing? Oh, but wait, there's more. Favoritism in politics will be played. How to become a hashtag project. Declare yourself eligible via sign-up. This includes hashtag project sanctioned attire. Please bring black boots, black pants, black hooded sweatshirt or shirt. But I thought you didn't get hoods. I I think that... No, this this is one that you bring. I think you get... you, You might get awarded a hoodie. If you're degraded enough. <laughs> Project Damn, narrative. if they yell at me enough, I get to I get a fucking hoodie, dude. <laughs> if Braun Strowman says my mom has a saggy ass one more time, I'll get that hoodie. <laughs> dude, this is... Uh, okay, okay. Uh, sorry. Uh, Project Narrative Tenets, the handwritten EC3 manifesto on 10 foundations of professional wrestling. I don't think we should be using the word manifesto in the current time at all, especially for anything like this. Your Project Narrative Initiation Form, entry into the seminar hosted by EC3 and members of CYN. The first step into the next phase of your life. Eligible only to trained sports entertainers. If you are not, your money will not be refunded. <laughs> and hashtag CYN has rights to refuse anyone and everyone. That might be the only part of this whole fucking thing that I'm on board with. Like, if, if you go to a seminar for trained wrestlers and you're not, you should not get your money back because you're a fucking mook. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> We here at Control Your Narrative look forward to talk, taking those who choose this bold endeavor into our fold. You are taking back control. You are prepared to fight your freedom. Through hashtag CYN, you will find hashtag purpose. Signed, The Narrator. What are we even doing? We are, honestly, we are taking the movie Fight Club that I have loved for a long time and making me hate it. Also, I don't know in regards to the question of what are we even doing with all of that. I don't know. I would love... Dakota, I know you're listening to this. If you can find someone who went to this and they're deciding to violate their NDA... Yeah. That seems illegal. I, I, it, it's fishy at best. It might be. I don't know. I think the idea of advertising... That you're going to be verbally castrated, degraded, and all this other shit. They, also, they want someone to pay money. No. Four easy that. payments of twenty four ninety nine In this economy? <laughs> like, oh, fuck. All right. It, 
Our last letter comes to us from friend of the show, Barry. Hello, gentlemen. I've been watching some Hogan slash Bischoff era TNA on YouTube and stumbled across the creation of Option C. I, I was not watching TNA at this point. I don't know either. Uh, okay. Option C being the rule TNA created that each year around the Destination X pay-per-view, the X Division champion can vacate the X Division championship and receive a match for the world championship. While it isn't their worst idea, I still think it's one of my least favorite ideas TNA ever followed through on. I understand the world championship is top prize, top priority, I get that, but I just think option C devalues the X Division title. I'm not a fan of anything that devalues a championship. I was curious as to what you guys thought about option C and how you prefer championships to be presented and treated in wrestling. Thought it would make for a fun discussion on the podcast. Thanks for your time and keep up the great work. Barry. P.S. I tried some of Ernest Borgnine's cocaine soda. Not for me, but to each their own. Mm-hmm. Uh... I, having only now, just learned really, I guess, about what option C was. I've always heard of it, but I didn't know what it was. Now that I know what it is, that's fucking stupid. Yeah, I don't care for that at all. Because it, like, if your goal is to be world champion, so then you have, you don't have to, I guess. But, like, is that the idea then that, like, maybe somebody's like, I'm going to win the X Division title, okay? So you're the best wrestler in the X Division? No, so that I can become the world champion. Like, yeah, uh, I, I do think it devalues just, the belt. Yeah, it really does. No, I don't like that. I wonder if anyone's ever opted to just say, no, I just want to keep the exhibition title. Yeah, it's an option. You can take option C or you cannot. Right, but I'm wondering, because I don't know, have they done that, though, where somebody was like, hey, are you going to vacate this belt and go after the world title? And they were like, no, I'm just going to keep this championship that I have? I'm pretty sure. I thought maybe it happens. I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. The The first time I ever even remember hearing about this was like when they put the world title in Austin Aries, and that was like 10 years ago. Also, probably a bad idea. <laughs> but like... Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't like that. I, 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 I happen to be a fan of like the, the reverse, though, where you're a world champion and you lose it in whatever fashion it may be, and then later on you're like an IC champion. I like that. You do? Oh, yeah. okay. Uh, okay, so he brought up an interesting thing, though. How do you like championships to be presented in wrestling? Like they mean something is is the basic is the most basic answer, yeah. like, at, at the heart of it. Um, I don't... Uh, it's hard for me. Like, what do you mean by that? Like, well, I mean, presented- like, I, like, okay, so some people like the idea of, like, a fighting champion or, you know, hey, well, let's do a title match tonight or whatever, and that you know, pops ratings and gets crowds into shit, you know, whatever. I'm not a fan of impromptu title matches. I'm not a fan of the champion just saying, yeah, let's do it. I like the idea of having to, like, go through channels of command, so to speak, and be like, well, we have a a general manager, a committee, a, a chairman of the board, an owner, you know, whatever. And that's the person that, like, makes these matches. You can't make these matches. You just work here and compete, right? Yeah. I'm big on... Not everyone gets a title shot. Big time. I'm big on you have to earn a title shot. Same. You know, uh, I I know we've talked about it on here before. I kind of like when the champion's not on every week. I think that makes like and when I'm talking, I'm talking like the world champion. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think that that makes that belt and I that like person that a bigger away deal. Right now, I do too. Like they're he's on SmackDown this week at the time of this recording, and it's kind of like oh shit. That's a big deal. And plus, 
Um, the main event of Raw, because well, we watched it. I watched it last night. Right. The main event of Raw was the United States champion. Now I know it's theory, and we should all sure. curse our screens when he's on. But the United States champion closed Raw. Yeah. There's you're put looking that it makes uh, him feel important now. Gunther won the Intercontinental Title, mm-hmm. which. I know they haven't given a fuck about that belt in a long time, but I'm sitting here like, please. Start. Start. You know, <laughs> you have this guy. You can literally almost use it as like a reboot for the Intercontinental title. Why not? While, while still building him. Like, yeah. I, I, he looks great now. Oh, he's in hella shape. Yeah. Like, it's bonkers how good a shape that guy's in. It's almost weird. You know, yeah. like, to, it's almost weird. Very. Um,. I'm. Uh, I'll tell you something else. I'm big on. I like the idea of having different divisions. Yeah. Like I know we talked about it when we were covering TNA that like the X division was its own thing and the mm-hmm. NWA World Title was kind of its own thing. You know whatever. But I, you know, you got to have enough people to flesh out those divisions. Yeah. You know, like the, these women tag titles, guys. They're probably not coming back. They need to not. And they need. Yeah. They shouldn't have done. They shouldn't have done it in the first place. Well. There was a better argument for it back then because they actually had some teams. They have since released all of those teams. Sure. That but, that's fair. But like you know like just Drek. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Cheers. We both took a drink at the same time for Damn the right. non uh, the, I almost said for the non watching fans. <laughs> no one's watching. It's not, not a visual not medium. A visual medium. Uh alright, so let's finish plugging this stuff. Um Zawa. Busy. Busy summer schedule for Zawa. Yes. Adding dates constantly. Please follow Zawa. Please look up Zawa. Uh, our friends out at Journey Pro. Mm-hmm. Still reigning, defending, heavyweight, Journey Pro champion of the world of Kansas City. Christian! Um, <laughs> I'm going to start doing the F5. That's not true. Um, <laughs> let's see. Uh, Rocket Pro is off for the summer. Yeah. Which yeah. is... Kind of, kind of odd, you know. Kind of, you get used yeah. to that just being part of your schedule and your rotation, and it's fun. Plus, I checkers. hate how cold the back room in a back room is. Yeah, where we, we always change, and I was really hoping that we get some years, or some years, some Jesus, years. some shows, some, some shows where it was nice, nice and warm. Yeah. Maybe even a little too hot sometimes, but you know, be right. nice. Nope. Nope. Cold. Cold. Uh, anyway, see, um, our friends uh, up north. Higher ground. Higher ground. Yep. Uh, At Hopper 2017 for Connor Hopkins. Yep. Burn a Chuck Palumbo. Um, yeah. 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 I was going for more of a stone cold. You were doing the yeah from yeah from Wentz. Yes. <laughs> Uh, guys, I think that's all we got for this episode. I think so. Thanks for joining us. This one was fun. A little more conversational. A little more loose. A little more yeah, free-flowing. Yeah, yeah, We ended up doing, checking the email in the middle of the plugs on this yes, one. You never know yes, when yes, you're yes, going to yes. get an episode that has Producing that happen. on the fly. Is this going to be the first time where we kind of just say, thanks for listening. See you next time. What are we here doing?